So, okay, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. If you'd follow in your Bible as I read that passage. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just bow before you, recognizing our great need, even as we see the recognition in Bartimaeus's life of his need, a need which he could not take care of, but a need which he knew you could and came to you. Lord, we face those kinds of needs in our own lives, maybe not as serious as blindness or maybe as serious in other ways, but we face those needs and remind us, Lord, even as we are reminded in this passage that you are the one who can meet our need, no matter how deep it is, no matter how hurtful, no matter how challenging, no matter how sorrowful, you can meet that need. Help us to come to you. And Lord, we know it begins with coming to you with our need of salvation. We cannot save ourselves, but you took care of our need by sending your son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross, taking our penalty, paying the penalty of our sin. And now you just ask that we put our faith in him, not ourselves, not religion, not religious ritual, but in Jesus alone for eternal life so that we might become a part of your family that we might have life that is really living. Lord, if there's one, even one in this service or who was at the first service this morning who needs to make that decision, I pray that they might follow the example of Bartimaeus, realize their inability, and put their trust in Jesus. For those of us who know you, I pray that we grow in our faith, grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We grow in our obedience. We just thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage before us this morning, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, uh, we see two things. We see a demonstration of greatness, a demonstration of greatness on the part of Jesus Christ. Remember, he spoke to his disciples and taught his disciples earlier in chapter 10, and we read in verse 42, 
two, Jesus called them together, that is, his disciples, who were arguing, you might remember, over which of them was the greatest. He called the disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many uh, commentators believe that the reason the account about the healing of blind Bartimaeus uh, follows this is because it's a demonstration of great greatness on the part of our Savior. He is demonstrating for the disciples that which he just taught them. He just taught them that greatness comes because of service, not status. And now we see him serving the lowliest beggars of that day, those who were the greatest in need, those who had the greatest need of him. And that's what we see here. So we see in our passage this morning a demonstration of greatness. As one writer said, and I believe this is on your sermon note sheet, in a simple act, Jesus demonstrated the greatness that he taught despite the immediate prospect of his own suffering, he stopped to help a blind man the crowds uncaringly tried to quiet. We see here a demonstration of greatness. Secondly, we see an illustration of the kind of service that Jesus is talking about, an illustration of the kind of service that Jesus is calling upon his disciples to do and calling upon you and me as present-day disciples of Jesus Christ to serve others. And as the writer said, Jesus illustrates the pathway of service when he stops on his way to the cross to heal a man who is blind. Jesus is demonstrating greatness here. Jesus is illustrating for his disciples the need to serve others. Before we get into the text itself, there are a couple of uh, preliminary matters that I'd like to look at. Uh, number one, the symbolism of this passage. The symbolism of this passage. Many have pointed out the, the symbolism that the man who is a beggar is blind and he's unable to help himself. He's unable to improve his condition. He recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, and he recognized that the Messiah could help him. The religious leaders tried to keep people from faith in Jesus Christ. But we see in this man, Bartimaeus, a great desire to put his faith in Jesus Christ because only Jesus could take care of his need. Only Jesus could meet his need. And he sees that, and he goes to Jesus. So we have this symbolism. The man is blind. He's unable to help himself. He's unable to improve his condition, but he recognizes where he can go to get the help that he needs. He recognizes where he can go for somebody who could take care of his need, even something as deep as blindness. 
the religious leaders, as I said, tried to keep people from faith in Jesus. If the nation had had faith in Jesus similar to this blind man, their faith would have helped them out of their own spiritual blindness. But this nation was spiritually blind, and we see in Bartimaeus the symbolism of what could have happened for the nation had the nation trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, Another preliminary issue is the healing preceded the public presentation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. You will remember that up to this point, Jesus keeps telling his disciples to keep that to themselves as he is leading them more and more and more to the truth about what he came for, about who he is and what he came for. And he's, he is uh, telling them that they are not to be uh, sharing that with others. And even those that he healed and those that he ministered to, he would tell not to sell that to others. But now we see that the healing preceded the public presentation of the Messiah. More and more as Jesus gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, and as he gets closer and closer to his date with the cross, we see that the, uh, Jesus is being publicly presented as the Messiah Jesus helped those who recognized their needs. He helped those who turned to him. Sadly, the nation didn't recognize their need. Sadly, they did not turn to him. Thus, he could not help them. So that's kind of uh, the symbolism that's going on in this passage. I want us to note also that uh, and we'll say this again when we get to the end of this, ver- this uh, passage in verse 40, 52. Uh, we'll notice again that people, when people receive their sight, they follow Jesus. That is true of Bartimaeus. He receives his sight. And what we see in all three parallel passages, there are three parallel passages where this account is recorded by Matthew, this record in Mark that we're looking at right now, and it's recorded also in Luke. It's Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, and Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43 are the three passages where this healing is recorded and the account is given. Now, so we, we see this, this background to this passage. We see uh, Jesus ministering in this way, and we see uh, that this incident is significant in several ways. Before we look at the particulars of it, this is a significant miracle in many ways. It is the last healing miracle in the book of Mark. It is the last healing miracle in the book of Mark. Secondly, it shows Jesus' concern for the needy. It shows Jesus' concern for the needy. Thirdly, the miracle clearly shows that Jesus is the Messiah. He's openly now claiming to be Messiah, openly letting people know 
that he is the long-expected one. And so it clearly shows, this miracle clearly shows that he is the Messiah. You see, healing of sight was a work of, the, of messianic significance. Healing of sight was a work of messianic significance. We see that in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 5. And you can turn there if you want, but Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 5, is the passage where John the Baptist is under arrest, and he sends his disciples to Jesus. This is uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 5. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Uh, also, we won't have time to Turn back, but Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 5. Both these passages point out that healing of sight was a work of messianic significance. So we see this incident is significant because it's the last healing miracle in the book of Mark. We see that the incident concludes the section on discipleship. The section on discipleship and it sums up discipleship. And discipleship is summed up in this way. When people receive their sight, whether you're talking about physical sight to cure physical blindness, or you're talking about spiritual sight, that is spiritual perception, when people receive their sight, they follow Jesus. That's the biblical model. When people receive their sight, they follow Jesus. Jesus. So the incident is significant. Uh, it concludes the section on discipleship that began in chapter 8 and verse 31 and sums it up. It shows Jesus' concern for the needy. Uh, it sh clearly shows Jesus as the Messiah. And it was a prelude to the public presentation of himself as the Messiah and clearly shows, number five, clearly shows how the nation should have responded to Jesus. How should the nation have responded to Jesus? This miracle recorded here in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, gives us that information. Well, let's look. Then, verse 46, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Uh, at this time of the year, there would have been a very large a number of visitors to that area, to the area of Jerusalem and Jericho, which was several miles outside of Jerusalem and other surrounding cities, because people, pilgrims, were coming for the Passover. They were coming for the Passover. So the city of Jerusalem would swell to several times its size. Even a little place like Jericho, a smaller city like Jericho, 
would swell. It's said that there were, at this time, at the time of Passover, there were 20,000 priests and Levites in Jericho at the time of the recording of this, uh, at the time of this miracle that's being recorded for us by Mark. Uh, one writer said, beggars were a common sight in most towns. Most jobs of that day required physical labor, so anyone with a crippling disease or disability was usually forced to beg, despite God's instructions in Leviticus 25. Jesus met many spiritually blind people, religious leaders, family members, people in the crowd. Though their eyes were fine, they could not see their need for Jesus. But Bartimaeus heard the report that Jesus had arrived and he had cried out. See, beggars were a common sight in that day because anyone, most, most jobs in that day were physical labor of one kind or another. So what would happen is if you had some kind of a physical problem, if you had a, a problem with sight as this man, or some other kind of uh, crippling problem, uh, whatever, whatever the defect might be, it would keep you from working. And so you were forced to beg. You were forced to beg for the, for the people around you. Um, and so you, in many cities, and Jericho is said to be at this time, by the way, there were two Jerichos. There's an old Jericho, and there is a new Jericho that Herod had built and his winter palace was in the new Jericho, and they were right next to one another, the old Jericho and the new Jericho. It's said that Jericho was a very wealthy place. And so it was an opportune place for a beggar to set up his shop, so to speak. Uh, it's interesting to me that when Jesus calls to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus calls out to him, and Jesus answers and says, come to me, it's interesting to me that the text says that he left his cloak there. You see, his cloak would be spread out in front of him. And that's where people would throw the money, the alms that would, that would be his meager existence. And uh, I find it interesting. He was so ready. He was so, uh, his faith was so strong in the Messiah that he jumped up and left his means of making a living right there on the ground. Knowing that he would have his sight. And I find that an interesting sidelight. Well, then they came to Jericho. Again, it was a large crowd. Jesus and his disciples together with a large group. They were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is son of Timaeus. Bar means son, and then the surname, Timaeus. So that's where we get that. It was by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He may have heard the reports about Jesus Christ. He may have heard about Jesus' power to heal. And uh, so we see him crying out. And what he cries out is significant. When he cries out, he shouts, Jesus, son of David. Son of David was a messianic title. What does that tell us? It tells us that 
Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the one sent from God, the God-man, the only one who could take care of his needs. He recognized his inability. He recognized that Jesus was somebody who had the ability to meet his need. And so he cries out, Son of David, this messianic title for the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Well, verse 48, many rebuked him, uh, that is rebuked Bartimaeus, and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. They they rejected and rebuked him. He had a great need. Jesus is coming by who can do something about that need, and yet the people around Jesus, maybe even some of his own disciples, the religious leaders around Jesus, they had no desire to help this man. So instead of helping him, they rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They may have regarded him as a nuisance. They may have resented that he might possibly delay their trip. Some may have been opposed to him calling Jesus son of David. A messianic title. We don't know, but we know They had no desire to see this man's need taken care of. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus, at this point, is on his way to Jerusalem. What's going to happen at Jerusalem? Don't be afraid. It's not a trick question. You may see it on the exam, but it's not a trick. What was going to happen in Jerusalem? Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to meet his date, so to speak, with the cross, suffering for you and for me, taking your sin upon his body on that cross as he took my sin (coughs) upon his body on that cross. Thank you is the right the right thing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, He's on his way, and yet he can be stopped by somebody in need. He can stop and minister to somebody in need when the crowd and maybe his own disciples had no desire to do that. They had no desire to help. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they, so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throw his, so throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus does not silence him. Jesus did not silence him. It was the time when he was crying out, son of David, because it was time for the fulfillment of his messianic mission. And Jesus responds to his need. Despite the march to Jerusalem, Jesus had time to serve someone in need, even as he had called upon his disciples 
when he instructed them that greatness, authority came not by status, but by service. And so Jesus serves him. He answers the impassioned cry of need. The Bartimaeus shows his confident trust in Jesus' ability. He, his faith was placed in who Jesus was. His faith was placed in who Jesus was. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him in verse 51. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Jesus' question did several things. It helped Bartimaeus to define his need. It helped Bartimaeus to define his need. <coughs> Secondly, it demonstrated to the crowd that he was not merely looking for money. He was not really, not near, not merely looking for money. Rather, he was asking out of his need the one, the only one who could meet his need. Verse 51, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi is an, an emphatic personal name in the scripture. It's Rabboni, and it means my Lord or my master. Uh, Bartimaeus is recognizing that Jesus is his Lord. Jesus is his master. The only other use of this term Rabboni is when Mary used it at the tomb of Jesus Christ in John chapter 20 and verse 16. Well, he, Bartimaeus recognized his need and he recognized his inability to do anything about that need, but he also recognized that Jesus was the one who could do something about his need. And we read in verse 52, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Now, I want to be clear on what's happening here and what Jesus is saying to him. Faith in this context is trust in God. Faith is trust in God. It's not some kind of power aimed at God. You see, he was not, Jesus was not saying that the man's faith possessed some kind of power. He was acknowledging that Bartimaeus had faith in the Messiah and it was the Messiah's power that healed him. Bartimaeus had faith in the Messiah and it was the Messiah's power that healed him. You see, there are so many in certain branches of Christianity, so many in the occult, who believe that faith is a power aimed at God. That's not what Jesus is saying here. <coughs> faith is not a power aimed at God. Rather, faith he had faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and it was the Messiah's power that healed him. It's an occult idea that faith is power aimed at God. Rather, here, faith means that he had faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is the one who had the power to heal him. 
That's what Jesus is saying when he said, go, your faith has healed you. He was delivered from darkness to light. It was an outward picture of the spiritual salvation that happened to him. Not only was he delivered physically from darkness to light, but his soul was delivered from darkness, spiritual darkness, into the light of Jesus Christ, the one who died for him. Go, said Jesus, your faith has made, uh, excuse me, your faith has healed you. Uh, let me give you three phrases. I, I got these from Vance Havner. He's one of my favorite uh, writers to uh, uh, read each morning in my devotions. Uh, he was commenting on another passage where Jesus did healing. And he came up with three phrases that I think really summarize what's going on even in our passage in Mark chapter 10. The three phrases are this. My, uh, excuse me, our faith, his power, our need. Our faith in the right object of faith. You see, it's not the amount of faith you and I have. It's the object of our faith that makes a difference. It's not the amount of faith you and I have. It's the object of our faith. So our faith combined with his power, Jesus' power, Jesus the Messiah power, meets our need. <coughs> <coughs> I want you to notice <clears throat> the aftermath here. Verse 52, the last part. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. <clears throat> Aren't you excited that mountain cedar fever is starting up? <clears throat> I hate this time of year for that reason, mountain cedar fever. At any rate, <clears throat> our faith in him, Jesus the Messiah, his power meets our need. And so Jesus heals him, and I want you to notice his response. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He embarked on a new life that day, a new spiritual life that made a difference in his physical life as he followed Jesus. We see that in the parallel passages in Matthew, it says the same thing. And in Luke, he adds that not only did Bartimaeus physically follow Jesus, but the crowd at Bartimaeus' healing began to glorify God. You see, we are to live in such a way that God is glorified through us, that God is glorified through the way we act, the way we talk, the way we live. And that's what's happened. When people receive their sight and, and the spiritual sight, they follow Jesus. You see, for so many people, the moment of putting faith in Jesus Christ to them is the end of the road. Folks, that's just the beginning.
That's just the beginning. That's not the end of the road. That's the beginning of the road. The beginning of a row of obe- uh, the road of obedience. The beginning of the road of discipleship. And that's what it was for Bartimaeus. When people receive their sight, they follow Jesus. Bartimaeus recognized his inability. He trusted the only one who, could, who had the ability to help him. And when he could see, he followed Jesus. I don't know what your need is. If you're here this morning and you haven't yet trusted Christ, I urge you to put your faith in him. If you're having some other difficulty, finding some challenge in your life, I want you to know, and you can't do anything about it, I want you to know that Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ can. And I urge you to put your trust in him. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for this example, this passage of scripture which is encouraged which encourages us to know first of all that our savior cares about the the lowliest and meets the needs of the lowliest we thank you lord for such a savior and we thank you that when we have a need no matter how great it is that we can come to you and you have the ability to take care of it Our faith, your power, meets our need. And Lord, if there's even one here who has not yet trusted Christ, your son, I pray they would do it this day. In Jesus' name, amen.